Hello, hello, hello. My name is Maze, and welcome to the Noise Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Noise Podcast, where it is now episode nine. So it's quite exciting. We're getting up to those double figures next time. It's also exciting. Because after a little absence, we've got Mr. Matt Jones back in the seat. How are you, Matt? I'm good. I feel weird now. Because it's been a while. It's been a while. Like I, I just got used again. to hearing myself in the microphone and the headphones, and now I just well, now because you're coming again. back now. I think now is the time where you need to start listening back to the episodes to help us get those extra listens no. as well, and then you can get used to yourself listening. I to might yourself just play back. them with no sound on. Then we'll get the listens, but I don't have to hear myself. So you, you also have to explain yourself because Laura came up with a really good theory. Yeah. As you were away, um, because every time you you're on the podcast and we ask you know what have you been up to recently, you always say oh not much, not much, blah blah blah. But then the last couple of months you haven't been available at all. So hmm. Laura came up with a great theory. That you are a secret agent. But like, if so you, explain yourself. If you're asking me this on a podcast that I was, I couldn't tell you. That's what a secret agent would say. Yeah. So I think we've got our answer, haven't yeah. we? So what, what, what's your secret agent work look like? Are you spying out people? Yeah. Are you spying out this podcast for another podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Matt Bayliss has hired me. Wow. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Matt Bayliss, hands off. He's my co-host. Um, but... Like I said, we, we're getting up them listens now. Mm-hmm. Another exciting news, we've we've hit a thousand listens, total listens, which is pretty good. Fantastic. That's awesome. Um, so I want I want to say a big thanks to all our loyal listeners and all those people listening to every episode. Um, and I want to start today with a, with a plea to say that if you are enjoying the podcast and you listen to every episode, why not let someone know that you're enjoying the podcast and share it? Because everyone did that. We would double our listens in one episode wouldn't we which is pretty exciting so if you are enjoying the podcast and you think oh i know someone maybe in church or one of my friends who wants to know a bit more about christianity i'll let them know and that would be great so it'd be great to get more people listening so if you are a loyal listener let people know and then let me know that you've told someone and i can give you a shout out on the podcast because that'll be exciting because uh still getting messages people saying they're enjoying it which is brilliant um so keep doing that keep engaging with us um throw me a message on instagram or whatever and i'll read it and i'll give you a shout out so that's great um so today we've got a guest with us which is very exciting mm-hmm. um so we've got mr kevin will today how are you kev i'm very good good morning and have you been listening to... whatever time it is that you'll be listening to this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's morning for yeah. us, so you can tell us good morning. So have you been listening to the Noise Podcast? I think you told us you've listened to a couple. I have. I have listened to a few. Um, been back over the summer. I haven't counted the most recent ones because uh, okay. I've, been, I've been busy getting back. It's because Matt isn't in there, isn't it? I haven't either. To the most recent one yeah. with Gem. No offense, Gem. The lads haven't listened to yours, but they I, will I, get I, around I, to I listened it. to the first half. You know, okay, just... and then you got bored. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so what have you been thinking of the podcast so far, Kev? Uh, I think they've been fantastic. I think uh, you guys all have a great sort of relationship. You communicate well. Uh, and I think it's, a, it's um, for me, um, as an American listening to it, I think it's great that, um, you know, it's an opportunity for people that, you know, perhaps an international audience can get a glimpse into like um, what Welsh young people are up to in you know 2019 sort of thing so especially if they're christian you know you think um christians aren't so much about having fun and telling jokes and um doing things like 
you know, podcast. So uh, it's, it's really, really awesome. So I think you guys are doing a great job. Yeah, well, thanks, Kevin. Oh, yeah. It's great to hear that because that's part of the purpose of the podcast and also the ministry is to mm. show that um, Christianity isn't maybe what people think it is, um, especially those who haven't been churched or have a certain idea of what Christianity looks like, that actually it's not about all the outside things, it's about the, on the inside what Christianity is. Mm. So we can still have fun and have great relationships with each other and do different things, but uh, it's not all about going to church and following a bunch of rules, and that's what we're trying to get across. Um, but also, Kevin, you, I've we've done some events together yep. with noise ministries. Yep. So how has that been for you? Like working together and hearing the different songs and those type of events. I know. I mean, um, your, um, refrigerator song is, uh, yep. is a classic. Fridge there so, we go. There uh, we fridge go. freezer. Uh, that's a great Top. one. I know our kids have enjoyed, um, you know, when you've come around and done events for us. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think noise is a very creative ministry and it seems to be that you're, you've really tapped into what your special gifts are and ways that you can use those to, um, you know, bring glory to God, but also to, uh, show an authentic version of what, you know, what it means to be a Christian, uh, here in, in South Wales in 2019. That's awesome. I, I think the last time that I did an event at your church, you had a, a American mission team over, and which was great because yep. there was a whole bunch of you. Yep. I think I was outnumbered Americans to Welsh. Um, and I think it was one of the last nights. So do you remember when the mission teams used to come to us, Matt? Yeah. And everyone used to get really upset yeah. on the last day. It was that night. Ah. And I was like, oh, this is awkward. And yeah, I was singing like, this really emotional you. song at the end. It made them all cry. It was brilliant. Um, no, but it's been great to work together. And it's great to have you on this morning. Um, now, maybe you've realized by this point... Kevin has not got the same accent as myself and Matt. So do you want to, where are you from originally, Kevin? Uh, originally, I'm from the metro Atlanta area in Georgia, so in the United States in the South. Okay, so we're going to hear a little bit about um, what brought you to Wales a little bit later on. Yeah. Um, we'll chat a bit about that. But I thought we'd firstly discuss the, the subtle differences between Americans and British people. And obviously the main thing being these language differences. Yep. So I've got a few of my um, American pet peeves. Okay. Um, so I, I've called this section um, Lost in Translation. Fantastic. I was going to I was gonna call it Stupid Things Americans Say, but I thought <laughs> Maybe not. we have got some listeners yeah. in America. It might have been a bit much. So I've called it Lost in Translation. So um, my first one, my biggest pet peeve, what the Americans say, and you can come back at us at the end. Oh, with, absolutely! With, with what stupid things we say, um, you know the um, the metal, like foil. What, yes. Do you know what 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 is that metal called? Uh, it is appropriately called aluminum. Oh. See, that's the worst, isn't it, Matt? <laughs> I, I thought you, I could make it. You add this. an extra I in there to make it aluminium. Aluminium. Yeah, yeah it is aluminium. But I the, don't know, but the I extra I is superfluous. So you spell it differently as well. You yes. do spell it differently as okay. well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, so Matt has a sort of little American connection because Matt's sister Beth is engaged to an American. Hmm. So maybe you've got a bit of insight as well. And congratulations, you can, you can bridge the gap. <laughs> 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 you've been brought into the family. Yeah. You lucky man. We'll save you. But aluminum. Come on, Matt. What do we think about that? I mean, I, I'm less bothered by that one because they do spell it differently as well. Fair news. So. But, but, but there's no need, is it? Yeah. There's no need to no. spell things differently. <laughs> no. Anyway, so I thought you would have 
got used to seeing aluminium by now, but you're still aluminium through yeah, and through. Sorry. Fair dues, fair dues. Um, the next one is, so one of the most popular sports in America is a sport where you throw it and catch mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and you throw it to another using your hands. Mm-hmm. And the Americans thought it would be great to call this game football. Exactly. How does that one work? How, the, can you justify that? I can. The ball is uh, 12 inches from length to width. So oh, is that why it's called football? It is, wow. literally, it is literally a foot long ball. Well, I am gaining knowledge today. There you go. Wow, that's fascinating. You can strike one off your list. Yeah. That is fascinating. I'm really glad I brought that up. Yeah. So there we are. So, I mean, it's still it's silly because you play with yeah. your hands. And, and it needs a story. You don't call it a foot-long ball because then some might be thinking you're talking about Subway. Yeah. Uh, mm. And Subway sports. And then you're talking about what are Subway sports? Is Although it underground if, or above ground? I mean, or? the way Subway are going, they're probably going to sponsor the NFL at some point and then they well, probably will enough, change yeah. it to a foot-long ball. Um, which that's, be good, that's smart marketing. That is smart That's what I'm thinking. You should pitch foot, I should. foot-long meatball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> meatball sub. <laughs> Oh, that's really uh, interesting about football, though. I can't believe I'm only now finding that out. I think more Americans should explain that to people because we just yeah. think it's stupid that a game you play with your hands, you call it football. I, I didn't know that until I moved over here and I had to explain. Uh, you ought to explain yourself. Yeah. And you were looking so, at all these weird American things. Yeah, like, I wanted, why do we do this? I yeah, wanted to educate myself yeah. a bit. So. And then obviously you call football soccer. Yeah, I don't the know that one. The game that you actually play with your feet. But I suppose if you, you can't have two sports called football. We Although just... we just call it football and American football. Yeah. We should just measure the diameter of a soccer ball then and just... And just call it that. Yeah, whatever that and, is. And just go at every sport like yeah. that, or so a tennis like ball. Like 14-inch ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be interesting. Um, the next one about lost in translation. I keep wanting to say stupid things Americans say, but it's not stupid. It's just I'm not offended. Different. It's just different. Um, biscuits. Yeah. So to you, what, what is a biscuit? Uh, well, a biscuit is um, probably one of the things I miss most about america you don't get them over here the same uh my wife makes them oh nice but um they are Ooh. really really hard to make so it's you know she's using her grandmother's recipe and it's quite an involved process so but they, um, they're like savory aren't they in america yeah you would you would call them a scone or a scone okay. uh, but we would normally have them warm uh freshly baked you know with maybe some meat in the middle maybe like a bit of sausage or a, a pork tenderloin or some bacon an egg you know mm-hmm. a little bit of mustard yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah so they they don't call our biscuits biscuits because you call those cookies or something else because yeah. the, the sweet version then these biscuits are like these scones bready type things that you would have yeah it, now you can have them uh that are sweet like if you put um jelly or jam which is another so that would of, be like exactly like a scone then wouldn't it so yeah. you could have yeah, those but, with cream and yeah jam. ideally though you want to have them like warm like fresh baked you, mm. wouldn't, you wouldn't leave them sitting out on a table like with cream and fruit next to it like, right right somewhere to just grab one and take it off and so get them get them yeah. while they're hot get them while they're that's, hot that's sort of the, so if you go to america you want some yeah. biscuits eat them while they're hot now the next one ironically you just brought it up jelly yeah what you call jam jelly but you call jelly jello jello yeah so but i think jelly and jam are different are they not I feel like I've heard. Do you do you use the term jam or do you just? We do use the term jam. But that is that differentiated. But it's more. Um, I would say it, it's more about the consistency of the mm. product itself. So the jam is going to be much more of a fresh fruit sort of like uh, mixture. Rather, a jelly is going to be more. 
I, I, I guess it's going to be a bit more processed. So it is more, it is like jello, but, um, it is, it is a bit more of a process thing where you would, you would say, um, jelly is jello, what we call jello. Yeah, basically. Yeah. But then you also have, cause when I've been to America, you've got like buffets with salad right. and they have little jelly blocks as part of that. That's disgusting. Well, I've so, seen that. Oh, well, then maybe that's just me. <laughs> I was in, um, Florida, which yeah. is an interesting part of the country. So maybe they just do things differently. I don't know. No, uh, I, I would have, I would have seen, you know, jello or jelly blocks at a, at a okay, there we are. it's like a cold, it's a, it's, I don't, I don't quite know how to describe it. Like people also put other things inside of it. They'll do like a jello mold where you'll have like nuts or fruit. I've seen fruit uh, in things it, yeah. like that. We used to have stuff like that in school. Yeah. Stuff jelly with fruit in it. I hated it. I don't know. I don't know where it came from either. I'm I'm not very educated no. on that. But you but you can't beat um on the office where they put the stapler yeah. in the jelly. In the jo- that, that, that's yeah. the best. In the jello mold. Yeah. So, so at least you didn't have anything like that. I mean fruit is one thing, staplers yeah. are another thing, but I love that that on um well that's both on the UK office and hmm. the US office. What which do you have you seen the office? I've seen both. Have yes. you seen both? So yeah. Which is your favorite, the UK or the the US version? I that's I, interesting. I th- I think for me the US is is better, not because I'm an American, but just I think I'd have to agree, agree with him yeah. there. I, I, I think they, I think him. the character development um, is good, but you know this uh, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant are both writers on exactly. the US yeah. version. So. And plus, in nine seasons, I suppose you've got the room to give the character development, yeah. whereas in two seasons. You haven't. That's it. And it's a very different type of comedy where the, yeah, the UK is. one is much more like cringe, it's a awkward, bit light-hearted on dry US. comedy, yeah. whereas the US is a bit more Wacky. slapstick in your yeah. face, like jokes. Um, but it's just one of my favorite programs ever. I just thought I'd bring that up while we were talking it's about good. jelly yeah, th- and putting staplers in. I can't mold. remember Jim Jim Halpert's character in the um, UK office. Tim. Tim, Martin Freeman. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he is as... Um, cute and lovable adorable sort of guy as you know jim halpert from the, the u.s yeah. office so i think they're yeah that makes a big difference jim and too. pam i are much better than tim and dawn for me the love story is hmm. a bit more i don't know but like i say when you've only got two seasons it's hard to, it's hard because yeah. the jim and pam thing went on for so long they dragged yeah. it out that went on for like over two seasons by I, itself i know i know <laughs> i was like come on um, yeah, but Jim and Pam anyway. over Tim and, and Dawn. But to be fair, i got to give America 1-0 on The Office because yeah. I do rather the American version. I could watch it, honestly. I've watched it about two or three times already. I could watch it through again now. I'm finishing a watch through now. Are you? Yeah. Nice one. But nice even one. even for myself, you know, growing up in the Southeast, um, the Northeast is a different part of the country mm. to the South. So it's a more um, industrial, whereas I come from a more agricultural, mm. uh, you know, rural community whereas northeast is more industrial more urban uh which for me it, it, it does in, a, in some ways feel like a different part of the world even though it is america's america is such a big place yeah. it's, it's massive because yeah it is like 50 countries Huge. it could be but they've just decided yeah we check them all in one um for such a massive because it is like you, you could if you're american you could just not fly anywhere else you could go on vacation yeah. you would say to to somewhere in america and like you say looks like feels like a different yeah, it's part very, of the world very diverse but... yeah which is which is brilliant um so i've got a couple more yeah uh there's and i only saw this one online i actually needed google to help me out with some of these um because you would say when you're in your car i need to get some gas yeah 
but it, it it isn't gas. It's a, it's a liquid. How do you justify that one? Well, well I we would say petrol. Yeah, petrol. So uh, you were, you're speaking of the petroleum derivative, yeah. whereas we're speaking of the gasoline ah. processed element. So that it's not a it's not a diesel version of the petroleum derivative. It is a gasoline version of the petroleum der- derivative. But like Welsh people, we have our nicknames. We like to abbreviate things. And we like to call them different things, so we call it for short, just gas. Yeah. Fill it with gas. Interesting. I'm learning so much. I don't know about you, Matt. I'm loving this. I did know the, the, the gasoline, gasoline and petroleum one, yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean, working where saying I work. that, my driving instructor, he would always say to me, um, uh, ease off, he's the, off gas. the gas. Yeah. Ease oh, off right. the gas. Uh, he's not an American or anything, but he'd use that term to, to give me less. The accelerator. So, off the accelerator, yeah. ease off the gas. Ease oh. off the gas. Yeah. I've never said that since. No. I don't think I've anyone else. Yeah, but he, sa- he says that every day, though. He must do it as a driving yeah. instructor. It's one of his catchphrases. Um, right, he's, last he, last one. He's been influenced some. By he must have. Yeah, he yeah. must have. He must have. I think he's originally he's from the um, Zimbabwe or something. Um, that family. So yeah. I don't know. Like maybe there's some American influence. I'm not sure. Now my last pet peeve. This is a big one for me. Is when Americans write the date. Mm-hmm. You write rather than a very organized smallest then middle and biggest like we do day month year americans go month day year I do got, you not think the british version makes more sense i i got no answer for that i don't know why it is <laughs> it is like that don't you think that it's better to go in order to go day month it, year yeah it, it does um it does seem much more you know systematic to start from yeah least yeah i don't know why they didn't think of that yeah. but by this point, it's too late. It always confuses me if I see an American date. Um, yeah, because you think it's wildly out of date when you're there. Yeah. Like if you're in, if you're buying food in America, you look at the date on it, and it just looks like it's been out of date for six months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But that, anyway, that's my last pet peeve. I don't know if anyone else feels the same. Well, so, you got you got other words like garage or garage. Garage. You know, that's 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 a big one. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh, after moving over here ten years ago, um, I realized that you had to flip the switch down. To turn the light on rather than up. So okay, that's, I didn't that's know different. that was different. Um, and even even the toilet handle is on the opposite side of the toilet. Oh, is it? Yeah, I didn't know that either. No, I didn't so much. Or it's in the middle. Okay. Yeah, yeah it, it can't yeah, be the in the middle. Ones. The button ones. Yeah. Even the water flows a different way. No, I'm just kidding. That's, <laughs> that's Australia. Oh, right. <laughs> so you've been over your ten years. You said ten years. Yeah. So. Um, is there anything that you think is really strange about British culture or Welsh culture particularly? Because you've been based in Wales this whole time. Yeah, South Wales the whole time. So same, is there anything that we, same house. that we say or that we do that you think is bizarre? Because we've had a go at Americans for long enough now. I think it's about time that you have a rebuttal. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, you're asking me that as the the visitor to the... Uh, That's fine. You can crack on. Yeah. <clears throat> no, honestly, I'm, I've lived here long enough. I'm at a place where whatever my issues were my angst with the country i've kind of worked through them yeah so i don't i don't see it anymore as a um you're practically welsh by this point I th- i've done a bad thing i've just not even taken <laughs> sorry guys i broke a, broke a rule um one one thing i think that does i think as americans um maybe not americans maybe it's just myself we we can be people that just go out and go you know Hey, it's um, it's Saturday. We're just going to go do something. We're going to go here. We're going to go there. Um, whereas I've learned that over here, you have to plan ahead if you want to go to a restaurant, for instance. He's not the, wrong to be fair. He's not wrong. <laughs> on the weekend, 
you need to be thinking about that like a week in advance. Yep. And you need to book it. Yep. Because per- particular days, especially certain weekends, especially bank holiday weekends, I, w- I worked it out that a bank holiday weekend, just don't leave the house pretty much. No point. Oh, yeah, you know. Don't leave the house because everybody else is getting out and doing yep. something. Uh, and the roads are going to be jammed. And, you know, the country does not have the capacity to handle um, people getting out and doing activities or fun things on bank holiday weekends or certain times mm-hmm. of the year. And it could, it, there is a good chance that it isn't like that in many parts of America. But for me, living from what I've grown up with to, you know, what I've experienced in the past 10 years, you really got to think ahead about your events. Spontaneity is not something that just... Uh, no, not something we're good at. It's not something we're good at to talk. I, I mean, I've got loads of friends that, I mean... We constantly just say, no, we should do something. We should do something. We never plan anything, no. so I never see him. Yeah, no. most about being British is talking about how you need to do something and I'm not, not doing, doing it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's an interesting insight. Because it's a lot of work. Culture. It is. There's a lot of work to have a social. Yeah. It is. It, but one, I know one thing that is very strange, especially about our part of the world in South Wales and the valleys especially, is we, if we, to greet someone, mm-hmm. we say, all right, bud. Yeah. So I remember when an American team came over because, you know, I've lived in South Wales all my life. So mm. they're coming over and we're just chatting or whatever. And we see him again later on. I'm like, oh, all right, but. And then like one of the girls who was always like, did you just call me a butt? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I could imagine that was pretty rude yeah. if you don't understand. <laughs> so maybe that's one thing that I think might be a bit strange for an American coming to South Wales for the first time. Yeah. Calling each other butts. Yeah, is quite interesting. I th- if you understand that, but is short for buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's one thing. the The other part of that phrase that um, gets me is the "all right, all right" bit because it's not it's not a greeting that you should actually have to explain that why you are feeling all right or why you are not feeling all right. It is just a greeting, a simple greeting, full stop. All right, I'm not gonna have a conversation with you. I'm just saying hello to you as we yeah. pass one. You're, you're not street. asking, are no. you all right? Yeah. yeah, it's just like acknowledging you there. Acknowledging you there. So yes. you say all right. The other person says all right. All right. You go your separate yeah. ways. You carry on about your day. It's like what's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially, like, what's up? so you see someone you like, and especially with like acquaintances, you just pass them in the street. And say yeah. all right, all right. Yeah, and then you That's you say it. nothing else. So that for, is, the, for the longest time, I had this sensation when someone would say that to me that it. I gotta, I gotta give details. I gotta tell, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really good. I've had a, you know, I had a good, a good, good breakfast. Uh, nice drive-in today. I'm, yeah, I'm really feeling all right. Or, no, I've just had the worst morning. You know, it's, it's rained for um, thirty days straight. I haven't seen the sun, and I'm really struggling with. And they just look at you like, whoa, pal. I'm just asking yeah. you, all right? Yeah, I just, right. just want to say hello. Yeah. Yeah. So there we are. If you're an American coming over to Wales, especially, don't be offended if someone just turns up and says, all right, but they mean well by it. And don't feel the need to answer and yeah. talk about your day. There's that, a little bit of advice. That's very much a South Wales thing, though. Yeah. And I understand that's not so much used up in the north or in the mid. No, because like you say about different parts of America, yeah. even in such a small country as Wales, the different regions are very different. So from North Wales to West Wales, where you'd have... Mm. pockets of the country where you'd actually welsh would be spoken yeah. most even more than english so yeah it depends where you are but the valleys that's where we are mm-hmm. so we can tell you what to do if you come to the valleys if you go anywhere else yeah, you'd have problem. to find somewhere else <laughs> yeah we can't be much help there learn as you go um so speaking of america are you into sports at all kev i am 
not all, not all sports. Okay. What 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 are your favorite sports? My favorite sport is college football. Okay. Are you into tennis at all? No, unfortunately not. I was no, you were coming on, and I I made the mistake of of watching the U.S. Open. Mm. I did hear about it. Yeah, it was amazing, but. So I it was Sunday evening and we'd been to church and a couple of a couple of guys came over mine after church and so I was dropping them off. I went to drop them off about eleven and I go back to my house about half eleven. Um and I looked on BBC Sport app as I always do. Like it's just a terrible habit now. I just randomly look at BBC Sport and I was like, Oh, the US Open Finals are on and Nadal is two sets up and a break. So I thought, Oh lovely, just before bed now, I'll just watch him win because I like Nadal and I knew it it was on Amazon Prime so I got that so I started watching it and then the guy he was playing against Medvedev broke mm. back mm. and then he won that set and I said okay I'll just watch one set and watch Nadal win that one and then the other guy won that set so it's two sets all and I'm like well this is like two o'clock in the morning you gotta stay up now. and I'm like I can't I you can't go to bed now so I watched it and then they were going back and forth and final set Nadal broke twice and he broke back and then Nadal did see it out, which I was happy about. Won um, his 19th Grand mm-hmm. Slam, which is ridiculous. That's incredible. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. But I was up till three o'clock in the morning and I, it was a terrible decision to start watching. Because I'm, I'm awful like that. Like if I start watching sports, I find it very hard to tear myself away. Mm. And I get very emotionally invested. I don't know about you guys, but even if something like the Olympics is on and they play in some random sport I don't care about, like, I don't know, handball... And I start watching, I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. 20 minutes later, and then getting to the end of the game, I'm like, come on, Denmark! Like, I was just supporting some random team. I just get really emotionally just invested. pick a team there and then. In sport. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, I love the Olympics. So when's the next Olympics? Not next year, is it? 2020. Yeah. Hmm. 2020. So, and it's in... Japan. Japan, yeah. Japan, oh, they do. Same well, as the World they, Yeah, the Rugby World Cup yeah. is there as well. Oh, they're busy, aren't they? In big Japan year. Yeah, big year for them. That's so good, good planning, though. It is good planning. They don't have to build one. Yeah, both out they, the they, they would be fine if they came to the UK because they plan ahead and they'd, yeah. be, they'd yeah. be brilliant. <laughs> they'd be out on bank holidays. They'd be loving it. So, uh, Kev, let's talk about you for a bit. Okay. And like I said earlier, we, we've had enough nonsense now. Yeah, you've got to have a good 20 minutes of nonsense on the Noise Podcast every every episode. It's just standard. Um, but I want to I thought we'd get you on the podcast. Really appreciate you coming on, yeah, by the absolutely. way, giving up your time um, to talk about... Because it's interesting, obviously, you're from America mm-hmm. and you've ended up in this tiny little country called Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be interesting for people to hear why that is and, and how that came about. But let's just go right back to... to um, when you were younger then in America mm. um, and how you first became a Christian. Let's just start there. So were you raised in a Christian home? Because we always ask that and sometimes it's different, but was that the case for you? Yep, I was raised in a um, a very sort of conservative Christian environment. Uh, we were in church, um, you know, when the doors were open. Uh, we went to the First Baptist Church in Snowville, Georgia. Uh, our pastor, James Merritt, ended up being the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And um, yeah, so that was that was my my childhood. It was, um, you know, eight night. I was born in 1980. So the um, the 80s, uh, you know, really shaped my sort of spiritual development. But yeah, I was. So was, uh, that, a, was that a big church then? It was quite big. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a difference um, in America is a lot more bigger churches. Yeah. Do you find that? Yeah, I mean it I don't know that you would find 
a church in Wales of that size. It's so. How many people are we talking on a Sunday? Um, I would say probably. I'm just I'm just guessing now at this point because I don't quite remember. I'm pretty sure that we had about eight thousand enrolled in the church on the membership. Um, wow. And I think in the week you would see anywhere from three to 5,000 wow. people. You should have seen Matt and my face then. We were just like, what? Uh, that is crazy numbers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're saying you're growing up in the 80s, you're going to this church. How did you feel about church and Christianity then growing up then as a child? Um was it when you were a child you you made that decision for yourself or was yeah. that a bit later on? Yeah, life? no, I mean, you know, because we were in a big church, there were lots of activities to do. I mean, I remember the church did a building project um, in the late 80s where they were remodeling the, uh, the, the sanctuary. They built a new um, sanctuary. But as part of the process, they also built a, a skating rink in the church. This is crazy stuff. Yeah, so this was like back in the time when, you know, roller skates were like, a big thing. The thing, yeah. So <laughs> the church, um, the the sort of the downstairs part, the children's area, had, they built a, a roller skating rink. So, But then they had these movable walls so they could turn the walls into classrooms. Um, and you can have like your Sunday school down there and then they would open it up and you could have, you could go roller skating. They had like a little, um, you know, a, a little cafe where you call a tuck shop where you can get like sweets and stuff like that or, you know, it was just fun. I, I We went to vacation Bible school, which over here would be called like um, a holiday Bible club yeah. or something like that. We call it summer shine. So there was, there was, for me, it was a really good um, environment to grow up in. My parents were Sunday school teachers, but they also worked in the youth. So I would go to summer camps with the, with the young people. I'd go to the kids camps. Uh, so for me, it was a real a real positive experience. And when I was, um, and I was about seven years old or six years old, I made that decision for myself that I wanted to become a Christian. I went through a, um, a sort of a discipleship class before I was baptized. And, um, in September of 1987, I was baptized in the first Baptist church in Snellville, Georgia. So. Well, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So is that a case of then that was just your conviction and you sort of lived that out or what did you do the classic teenage thing of questioning I did. maybe walking away a little or yeah. was it always that obviously God brought you back but what was it like growing up then maybe yes. going into high school and all the challenges that mm. the kids face wherever you are in that so our our American school system is broken up into um, elementary school which is like primary school yeah and then we have this thing called middle, middle school, school yeah which is um sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, which is like years seven, eight, and nine. Okay. So it's almost like the pre-GCSE yeah, okay. years. Um, and then we have high school, which is ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th. And uh, that's where you really start like focusing on your studies and whatnot, um, which was the opposite for me. That's where I really <laughs> stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but now I, I, looking back on it now, I'm 38, um, almost 38 now. Looking back, I think... Um, I'm the sort of person that likes to do a lot of different things. Yeah. Like I'm a, a pretty diverse person. So my teenage years were filled with a huge identity crisis. Mm. Like um, I was at, like in eighth grade, I wore cowboy boots and, you know, Wrangler jeans. I was a, a proper like cowboy redneck sort of person. When I got into high school, um, the, you know, um, rap music, 
Puff Daddy and um, Notorious B.I.G. and all those guys. That mm -hmm. was that was like the thing. I really got into that kind of music, and so I was wearing this. I was wearing like polo shirts and had like this big puffy down jacket that I would like. It swallowed me. I looked like um, like the Michelin Man. <laughs> One of those huge things, and so like you could you could track like my identity crisis as it as it went from like eighth grade to ninth grade to tenth grade, and at that same time our our family moved churches. So we went from the big church mm -hmm. in Snellville to um, still in Snellville, which I lived in Loganville, but Snellville was like the town where all the stuff happened. So we went to this um, a little bit smaller church. Um, I think, I, I don't know what the reasons why I think mom and dad were starting to feel like they were getting a little bit lost in the sort of the huge church. Mm -hmm. They were looking for something more intimate. Um, so we moved right when I went into seventh grade <clears throat> and I had to start all over making friends. Um, and that was because all my friends were in church. Yeah. And so, um, I had to start over making friends. So I think that was, uh, that was yeah, difficult. That. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when I got into high school, um, you know, I started experimenting with, you know, drugs and alcohol. Um, I had a bad, I had a bad experience at this other church that we went to. Mm. And, um, it, it was really, I was kind of looking for something, uh, to like, to blame, I don't know, blame God for, to blame my parents for or whatever. Um, and so I, I had an incident at the church and for me, that was it. Mm. So I, I cut myself off from that. And so, yeah, so I did have quite a wild, um, you know, period from when I was like 17, 18 sort of time frame. Yeah. So during that time, um, cause obviously you'd made that decision when you were a child, was that like, obviously a constantly in your mind? Um, and you, you still knew that, that God was, was there or was it just a case of you didn't want anything to do with God at that stage? I don't know that I have that would ever have said that I didn't want anything to do with God. I think there was part of it that I was afraid that I would do something that, um, God would punish me for. Mm. Um, so I kind of lived in this sort of environment of, um, feeling like I, I was going to, I was going to get like smashed by God's, you know, hammer or something like that. He was going to strike me dead for doing something. You know, these are all sort of very like, um, you know, m w ways of explaining that, but also sort of in this place that I, I didn't care because I thought, you know, these people at, at the church, they're, they're so fake. Yeah. They're so like, as they say one thing and they do another, I mean, I was, I was, um, cussed out by my music minister because he thought he had heard me say something offensive about his wife. Um, and he told me he was going to kick my backside mm. and he had, you know, he had words for me. And yeah, yeah, yeah. so I thought, you know what, if people in church are like this, come on, you know, this, this yeah. is not, totally, this is not right. Totally, yeah. yeah. So, uh, my, my experiences with people in the church, I think really shaped my view of what church mm. and Christianity was about. Mm. So I would never say that I lost faith. I would just say, I kind of set it to the side because yeah. I, I wanted to explore yeah, yeah, no, that's fair enough. And I think, I mean, we see a common theme, especially yeah. in, in sort of our generation, in that people have been so hurt by the church. And Laura and I were, I think it was episode seven, we were talking about um, the need for church and relationship. And we were saying about how people are a problem in churches. 
you know, worldwide. But it's so hard then to try and differentiate between people and who God is. Mm. Because when we are the church and we're representing Christ, if we then behave like certain people have as Christians, then, for if you know, people equate that to who God is and that isn't true at all. And obviously you've you've come mm. to learn that and and I've had experiences with Christians, terrible experiences as well, and I've come through that. Um the most important thing is is learning who God is mm. and to realise that actually those people weren't representing God in that time. whatever was going on in their life we don't know. Um but it's so hard sometimes. Um so it's such a shame to hear that. But then again it is a common theme and it's very much in my heart to try and minister to people who've been hurt by mm. church or religion um and i mean we're in the final stages of of recording the the second ep at the minute for, for noise ministries um and that's very much is a theme mm. in these songs is about um dealing with the hurt that we've experienced um dealing with negative parts of religion so I'm quite excited to see what God is going to do with that. Mm, that sounds really good. And hopefully we really minister to people. I'd love to see just people finding healing and restoration and finding God's love more than anything mm. um, because God is love and people don't always show that. Um, but obviously then you went through that time, which I think a lot of people do in mm. their teenage years. And obviously you came back to God um, and now you're living for God and, and you're in Wales serving God. Yep. So I just want to talk a little bit about how that came about. Because that's crazy, you know. You're in America and then all of a sudden you feel called to this little tiny country mm. on the other side of the world. And you give up your whole life to come and serve in this country. So what happened to make you think, yeah, I need to go and basically move my whole life to another country? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, so... The, um, the whole sort of teenage years kind of gave birth to a um, an opportunity for me to kind of decide for myself what it is that I wanted to do. So my um, my sort of wild years came to a culmination um, when I was 18 that I was arrested for um, shoplifting from the place that I worked from. I had stolen lots of things from there. So I'd got to this point where I didn't care about what anybody else thought. I didn't care about anything except myself. And I think for people who have been who have been hurt by the church or people who have these sort of experiences where they're wandering, I think it's easy for them to to base their view of who God is or who God thinks they are on that moment. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. Mom, mom, that that instance right mm-hmm. then. But looking back on it, I know that the God that loves me right now in this studio is the same God that loved me when I was stealing things mm. and when I was drinking and when I was doing drugs and God was not absent. God was there yeah. all along. And so, um, things, you know, you mentioned about how, um, learning how to, um, understand God or learning who God is. I mean, that is really a key part of it is being committed to seek and not give up because God doesn't give up on us. Mm. Um, but we sometimes let go of something that we should probably hold on to a bit more. And so I, um, after being, um, arrested and, um, facing, um, you know, jail time, uh, a miraculous turn of events, uh, transpired where I, you know, I admitted to the, to the police, to my, 
uh, boss that I worked with, I had, I did everything and I deserved jail. I told him, I said, look, whatever you guys decide, like I deserve to go to jail. And, um, you know, I, I came to find out, find out later through other conversations that the, the police officer told my dad and my boss that in his 20 years as a police officer, he's never heard anybody admit to doing everything and mm -hmm. also saying they deserve to go to jail. Mm -hmm. They always try to find mm -hmm. a way to get out of it. So, um, his assessment of the situation was, I think this kid has learned a lesson I think he needs a second chance. So uh, my boss forgave me, and um, he fired me, obviously. <laughs> Fair but enough. you were like, fair yeah. enough, I'll take yeah. that. I'll I was take like, that. Yeah. So that was, that was in February of 1999, and I was getting ready to graduate high school. And I was trying to figure out, okay, so after high school, I got to decide I'm going to go to university or whatnot. And lot, you know, lots of different things were going on at that point. But um, I remember coming home from that um, experience, um, getting home, laying down on my bed, and just like really reflecting on God, what is it that I'm supposed to do mm -hmm. now? Like, I feel like I didn't realize at the time how big of a of a train I just dodged, but I just dodged a massive train that would have crushed me and destroyed the rest of my life if I'd gone to jail. Uh, and so. Um, the only thing I knew to do and what I'd been told to do um, since as a kid was when you don't know what to do, open your Bible. And, you know, I'm not one of those people that sort of um, advocate for the, you know, the, the, the um, open and point yeah. sort of kind of thing. But um, <laughs> that's what happened. That's what I did. <laughs> I knew where I was going. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I just started flipping through my Bible and um, for some reason, I've always liked the the book of Jeremiah. Mm. Um, as a, even as a kid, there's great stories in there about Jeremiah, about um, you know being left in this well for days, and um, about you know his friends and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, I, I don't know why I was just drawn to Jeremiah. So I opened up to Jeremiah chapter one and be, uh, beginning in verse four, uh, God says, um, you know, here's the word of the Lord to Jeremiah: Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you; before you were born, I I consecrated you; I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. And then Jeremiah says, oh, but I, I can't be a prophet to the nations, God. I'm only a young person. I can't do that. I can't speak. And God says, no, um, don't say that I'm only a young person, but go to whom I send you and say to them what I tell you to say, and I will be with you to deliver you, thus says the Lord. And, you know, reading that uh, as an 18-year-old, looking at the life ahead of me, I didn't fully comprehend and understand what, would, what was all going to unfold for the rest of my life. But looking back now, I can see how God used that moment to um, encourage me to restore my sense of myself that had just been crushed by the weight of my poor decisions. I had such a low view of myself. God redeemed me. He said, do not say that you are only a young person. Do not say that you cannot speak. Do not say that you are defined by what you have done wrong. Yeah. But you are mine. I created you. I have called you for a purpose and trust in me and I will show you. And so um, in the short term, what that meant was um, I struggled with, you know, where I was going to go to college. So I didn't end up or university. I didn't end up going to university. I took a, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, a gap year, or a, a gap double year. And um, I just, I got a job um, working first as a lifeguard with a YMCA and then um, doing like uh, floor covering, fitting carpets and tiles and hardwoods and that sort of stuff. And I read this verse in Ephesians that 
like shaped in the next two years for me. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and he's talking about the people that have come into the church. I think it's in chapter four. And he says, um, to those who once stole, steal no more, but work with your hands so that you may have something to give those in need. And I took that quite oh, literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I took that quite literally. So that's what I did for the next couple of years was I worked with my hands and the money that I earned, you know, I would try to do what I could to help other people like um, supporting, you know, the, the children that the church had like adopted or, um, you know, if I went out to, to eat with a group of people, I would buy everybody's meal, you know, doing everything I could to make life not about me, mm. but mm-hmm. about how I could, because where I went once I would just steal and take everything for myself. I thought, how can I start living for other people? So that was the first step. Um, and I had to go through that before I could get to the point where I said um, in uh, February of 2008, I think it's time for me to move overseas and leave everything behind and live this missionary life. So there was a huge process between you know, right. 1999 and 2009, eight and nine yeah. when I, you know, there's 10 years of really working out. And in that time, um, I became a youth pastor to church. I served in children's ministry. Um, my wife and I were, uh, we, we met, got married, um, bought a house, started a family, uh, and all that sort of stuff. And we were very much settled, uh, in our lives. And then we had this radical, um, sort of awakening where, you know, God said, I need you somewhere else. So what, what did, what did that look like then? Cause it, it's, it's, when we hear that, like God called us to go to Wales, what does that actually look like? Was yeah. that through scripture was that through someone in your church speaking into your life or was that just this you know tug on your heart mm. overseas so, so what what was that practically looking like like before moving over here i would not have known that wales was a different country i would have thought that it was you know because i obviously we knew from um you know the royal family and, and princess diana and, and charles prince of wales and all that sort of stuff wales is a part of the uk you know the worst um, thing you can tell a Welsh person is the Wales is part of England, by the way. It's a yes. common thing. Yeah, that, yeah, is, yeah. That, that is a bad thing to do. Yeah, I would never say that. <laughs> uh, I know now that Wales is its own country. Yeah, well um, done, well but, done. But when I, you know, um, as an American growing up, we don't have that same sort of um, detail yeah. in, you know, cultural differences and things. Yeah. And, um, some people might, but it wasn't something but I... you often think of the UK as a whole, I guess. Yeah, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and some people would say that it's England, you know, wrongly. It's not all England because there's also Scotland, Northern Ireland, and exactly, Wales. Yeah. So. But um, for me, the process was I had... When, when I read Jeremiah chapter 1 when I was a young person, yeah. I wondered what that meant. Like, I have called you to be a prophet to the nations. I didn't know what that meant. I went on mission trips to other places because I loved traveling and I like going to see new places. And I thought, well, is that, does that mean I'm going on a mission trip? Um, and it took, it took a while for me to really unravel that, you know, God was moving, actually going to be moving our family overseas. So in 2007, I started my own business after doing the floor, flooring trade for about eight years um, and doing work on the side. I officially launched my own business and um Things were going really, really good. Like the economy was like, you know, just clicking and going well. And we, our house was gaining in value and 
uh, Georgia was a place where loads of homes were, new homes were being built. And it was like, you know, the center of this sort of housing bubble that was building um, uh, in, you know, part of the south southeast uh, anyway. And so life was really good. We had paid off our cars. We were getting ready to start paying double payments on our house to pay it down. And uh, we were working at the church and the church was going really, really good. Like the first three years that we were there, I think we baptized 21 young people. Uh, the wow. church was really, yeah, it was really, it was, it was really, really awesome. Um, and I was, I'll never forget this. I was driving back from our church in Oxford, uh, driving down this road and just sort of taking um, a, a, a stock of my life and where things were and just had this really depressing feeling that where is God in all of this? Mm-hmm. Things are going so well. And I'm thinking, where am I having to have faith? Where's is, where's is, where's the um, you know where's the struggle? Where's the difficulty? Um, it seems too good to be true. So I started wrestling in myself. I was like, God, what are you what are you saying? Like, this is what everybody wants to have. This is this is the dream. This is the life. You know, we were doing uh, you know doing ministry, helping kids. We were growing our business. That was going good paint down our house, had a dog, had a, had our own child, you know, like all of these great things. And I thought, why am I not happy with this? Uh, and so then in there, I started praying, you know, I kind of had a feeling in my heart that God was going to be moving us along somewhere, that there was going to be a big change. I didn't quite know how to, you know, vocalize it at the time. But so I started praying. And um, I specifically started praying that, God, if you want us to move overseas, you need to be very clear, mm. um, not just to me, but to my wife as well, that, you know, we've made a commitment. Um, Amos chapter 2, verse uh, 4, I think, says, um, two do not travel together unless they have agreed to do so. And we've sort of set that as our life verse in our marriage, that um, we don't go anywhere or do anything that we don't both agree that this is where God is, is calling us to. I mean, it's, it's kind of common sense anyway, though, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I thought, you know, if God, if this is right, you got to tell my wife. Um, and she had said uh, about six months into our marriage that she was never going to move to another country because okay. I started going Still on these. bells going off yeah. there. <laughs> so I, um, I started going on these mission trips. I was really excited about it. She said, well, that's fine. You can go on a mission trip. We're, don't ever get in your head that we're going to move to another <laughs> country. And I knew that she had said that, and that sort of came back into my mind. So I was thinking, like, God, if this is you, and it's not just me feeling some sorts of sense of, unrest because I'm approaching my thirties and I've done really well in my twenties. Um, if this is you, you gotta, you gotta tell Amanda as well. And so the whole, um, sort of process from like praying from February to, um, this moment in about June of 2008, um, was me six months, not telling anybody about what was going on in my life. It was me holding it in my own heart and praying for God to speak. And so, is exactly what he did. We were at a summer camp with our young people, and uh, we were in a, a session with the uh, the youth leaders. And uh, the leader of the camp took us all outside. He showed us this um, beautiful. We were up on this mountain. He showed us this beautiful view of the valley below, sort of it you know, in the North Georgia mountains, and it was just stunning. And he said, about six weeks ago, this view did not exist. He said, we had to hire a logging company to come up. 
and take some of these trees down so that we could see out. We were on this sort of balcony at the back of this chapel. And um, he said, you guys, you youth leaders, God has a, a grand view for you, but there are some trees that are standing in the way that you can't see it. And immediately Amanda knew exactly what that was. That there were, the biggest tree was that she had said, I will do anything, God, you want me to do, except move away from my family. And so not even knowing that, right? Okay, I didn't know that. Um, after our, after the camp leader, he said this, I went over to him and I said, um, look, I just, he's the first person I told about what was going on to me that I feel like God is calling us overseas. And um, Amanda has said, that's never going to happen. So I don't know what to do um, other than pray, which I've been doing for six months. He said, I said, would you pray for me? And he did. And as soon as we sat down, um, he opened it up and said, does anyone want to share some thoughts about um, maybe what it is that might be standing in your way? Well, no hesitation. Amanda stood right up. She said, I haven't even told Kevin this. She said, but I'm just saying this right now in front of everyone and for, and for you, Kevin, to know that if God is calling us to move overseas, I'm ready to go. Wow. Hmm. That's powerful. And not all of my sort of um, spiritual awakening moments have been like that. But to do something like to uproot your life and your family and go overseas, I think you need a very clear word yeah. from the Lord. Mm-hmm. You've got to have something to carry you, you know. And so that that was crystal clear for us. I guess when you're going through maybe tough seasons now, you can look back to that mm-hmm. and, and think, no, God has called us here and it's yeah. so clear. Yes. And that you hold on to that. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe when you're going through tough seasons, which we all go through in ministry. Um, that's incredible. Mm. So was, was, was it a few months after that or maybe a year after that? that so we you actually um, made the move. Yeah. So we, um, we talked with the, um, the pastor of the camp, who's also the, the head of our organization, global youth ministry, uh, Roger Glidewell. Um, they had started sending people overseas on short term, like one year yeah. trips. Um, and they were looking at maybe doing like a two to three year sort of thing. So, um, we spoke to him that week. We arranged to come back in a month and talk about, um, possible locations. And, um, as we were praying about locations, um, Amanda in her heart and in her Bible reading and, you know, for whatever reason, God just started laying whales on her heart. Uh, we later found out through, through the process of us moving over here as she actually has ancestors, uh, from no Kamar, way. yeah, from right. Kamarthen, yeah. Wow. They left Kamarthen in the mid 1700s, immigrated to um, America, and you know she has some. So maybe it was her. So there's some Welsh. Yeah. Some Welsh. That's cool. Yeah, I don't know if that. Um, I wonder if we could get British citizenship that way, because that's like that's like something on the. We'd have to like have really good proof. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where you'd find that, but yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I don't know, uh, but anyway. Um, she, she really felt like God was saying, you know, Wales is a place to go. Um, she said, Kevin, what do you think? I said, well, I haven't had any specific location in mind, but, you know, I kind of agree. Uh, maybe we had started looking up a, a little bit more about Wales at this time and educating ourselves. I thought, you know, maybe this is the place. We don't know. And so what we said, we made a deal, right? So we said, all right, we're not going to say to the organization where we are feeling called to go. We will say to them, where is the greatest need? 
And if the greatest need matches where our calling is, mm-hmm. then we'll know that God has put those two together. So um, a month after camp, we went up, we met with um, the staff up there. Um, they had arrangements with um, placing people in Israel, in Kenya, uh, in China. And they had tried for three years to get someone in Wales because they had an ag- agreement with a, a you know local area there sending teams over, said they had been asking for someone for three years. Um, and said, we've had two different people sign up and drop out. And they said, we're, we're going to have to start looking somewhere else if we can't get someone to um, go to Wales. And so we were like, well, we've been praying about this. And that's a place where we feel like God is opening the door. So the need matched yeah. the wow. sort of the inkling in our heart. So there was another crystal clear Mm-hmm. confirmation for us um so yeah and that's what it was and that's what brought you over and you've yeah. been here 10 years 10 years yeah and, and what's that been like for you then i mean it's been in wales it's been there's been some real highs uh and some real lows as well yeah. i mean some of the highs um we've had two more children since we've lived here they've been born here in the country one at the royal glamorgan hospital one in the house that we live in which is pretty awesome wow. um there weren't even any doctors there there were two midwives. Um, and you know, my wife was a pro by that point. So, um, you know, she's just very good at, um, you know, that side of parenting. And, um, we have a home that we've lived in for 10 years. That's really become home for us. Um, we walk in the door when we've been away and we, we know we've come home and I know, um, probably for some of our family who might listen to this, you know, they may feel like, you know, is Wales the place where they're going to stay forever? We've always maintained um, that we are here until God says otherwise. And our faith um, in God, it's got to be stronger than our love for the place where we are. Ultimately, I believe that our love for God needs to be greater than that for wherever we are, because he can take our affections and he can turn them and you can find so I think it was like 2013 was probably a really hard year for me. And it was, it's probably the closest I ever felt to um, like being depressed or feeling like, you know, um, it was a really hard year. And part of that was, was because it rained from the 8th of January to the 3rd of May. Sounds like Wales. Yeah. <laughs> it rained. I think there were two or three days. I counted. Wow there were two or three days where we saw the sun. So we had this really beautiful snowfall in January. Once the snow melted, the rain rain set in and it didn't stop until May. And I was like, I remember like, I'm trying, I'm I'm thinking about now, I think like um, farmers out in West Wales were having to pull their sheep out from outside because they were getting wool rot. Uh, Mm -hmm. Places like um, uh, Blind of was measuring like record amounts of rainfall that year. And we had been here for about three years really struggling with like the, the culture, which was n- very resistant to the gospel. Um, people just, you know, you're sharing your faith and you're sharing your p- faith and no one's responding. No one's, you know, getting involved in your church. No one's accepting, you know, Christ into their life. No one's getting baptized. Um, and so we were like, we have been like working ourselves ragged for over three years and really not seeing any change. Like, and I really started feeling Sorry for myself, but I also started feeling sorry for the people who live here and who have to endure this perpetually. Like this is 
this, this culture, as much as I love whales, that is just so resistant to faith in Jesus. Yeah. You know, even though they sing songs at Christmas time in assemblies in primary school and you learn about it in school, to think that, you know, I'm going to actually choose this life for myself and I'm going to live the Christian life. I'm going to trust Jesus as my Savior. It just does not happen. It's a rare, rare occurrence. And so coming from an environment where that happened on a regular basis and where we had had such success at our first church, um, that was really, really hard. Yeah, I can imagine. And it is tough. It is tough. And But that's why we need people to come into Wales and to minister in Wales because I believe there's still hope for Wales. Um, and I believe God is going to do something in Wales. But um, As do I. Yeah, we just need to keep going, um, keep plugging away. Um and it's great if you're li- maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, I'd love to minister in Wales in some way. Well, then look for opportunities, mm-hmm. and um, it'd be amazing. And you know, I'm we we obviously you're from America, I'm from Wales, but yet I have a big heart for mm-hmm. my own country. Mm-hmm. Whereas you've been called from the other side of the world, but whether God is raising people up from from our own country or from the other side of the world, it's great that there are people coming together, and mm-hmm. there is a real gospel presence in South Wales and in the country. Um, but it's for us as the church and as Christians to to keep sharing our faith, just keep plugging away and just seeing what God does with it, isn't it? And that's all we can do. Um, but we're so glad you're here. Yeah, it's, yeah, awesome. So um, one, of the, uh, one of the other things I've loved about working here is the opportunity to like learn about different expressions of Christian faith. So like um, in a community where there's not a whole lot of Christians, you tend to have... Um, people from either Anglican or mm-hmm. like a, a Pentecostal or a, a charismatic or a, a more like sort of traditional or a chapel or Baptist, whatever, working together under, you know, the name of Jesus yeah. and, you know, learning about one another's different sort of expression of faith and where it comes from, which growing up, the, the jokes were always, um, you know, um, about the Methodist church that was right across the street, or right next door to us, like, you know, the Baptists and the Methodists didn't work together because um, the Methodists, the, the joke was, what what's the difference between um, a Baptist and a Methodist? Sorry, this is Southern American sort of humor. What's the difference between a Baptist and a, and a Methodist? I don't know, he's wasting his joke already. I, I don't know what is the difference between a Baptist and a Methodist. Uh, a Methodist will speak to you in the liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was my... I, I do apologize if that has infinite anybody who's is, 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 is <laughs> I'll keep this, that. But, I'll keep that stashed away. <laughs> but that was my experience growing up was that there is only one denomination that is right. And it is, you know, the church that I was a, a part of. Yeah. Um, whereas one of the things I've experienced over here is that I've met loads of people from different expressions of Christianity who agree on the same thing. You know, we love the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to see people come to faith in Jesus. And we may we may wrestle over some of our doctrinal or doctrinal, uh, the American pronunciation would be doctrinal mm-hmm. um, differences, but can we find unity in Christ? And I think in, a, in an environment as divisive as we're living in now, the church needs to be pioneering a unified voice that we are for Jesus. We are not, it's not about what we're against, but we are for Jesus. We are for life. We are for salvation. We are for redemption, and that's open to everyone. Yeah, and that's and I'm hearing this message of unity just time and time again. And 
like you say, it is encouraging that we are seeing different churches working together because the most important thing is Jesus, um, pointing people to him. Um, and those other things, those secondary issues aren't as important mm. as working together for the cause of the gospel, whatever our church background or whatever we've experienced. The main thing is that we love Christ mm. and that we we want people to to come to know him because it's the most important thing any of us could ever do. Um, which we're sort of running out of time a little bit, and but it's been so encouraging and really interesting to hear we've got to say, Kev. Yeah. Um, it's been awesome. Um, there's so much that we could take away from, from what you said. There's, there's so many different messages. And again, I'm thinking of a song that's on the new EP when you were on about mm. how you had this business and you had everything you ever wanted. And yet there was this longing or emptiness mm. so I'm, i've written a song called chasing shadows cheap plug so, so saying like when we <laughs> when we chase happiness mm. then ultimately you you're not going to feel satisfied because mm-hmm. you weren't doing what god has called you to do right whereas now you are maybe mm. you haven't got as much money or um you haven't got as fancy things but yet there's that knowing that i'm doing what god's called me to do which is more important than any material thing. Um, and I think a lot of us might struggle with that, that whole thing of, like you were saying, give, giving everything to God, like mm-hmm. holding on to what we have is, is so easy to do, but like actually letting go um, tr- brings true liberty yeah. and, and true satisfaction and true joy in knowing that we're doing what God has called us to. Um, and you don't have to be an overseas missionary to learn that. You don't have to have a successful podcast to learn that it is finding that in God, in God's self, that God is the source of our joy. And if we pursue him with what we are doing, whatever it is that we're doing, I just found out, you know, I love doing, you know, working with my hands, but I've also found out I love doing mission work mm. as well. So, but the pursuit of all of this is, is God. Yeah. Pursue God first. Yes. And- that famous verse that, you know, seek first the kingdom of God Absolutely. and all these other things mm. will be given to you after that. But put God first and everything else fall, will fall into place if we're truly seeking him with everything that we've got. And that is that is a challenge for all of us, whether we're in ministry or not, like to, to give everything to God is scary. But at the same time, on the other side of that, it, there is joy and there is satisfaction. Um, even though there are tough times mm. and tough seasons, at the same time, that like I said, that knowledge of knowing that you're in the will of God and nothing can beat that in my experience. Um, so just to to close, to to end the podcast, I want to go back to because this really struck me as you were talking earlier about your experience of that maybe lowest point in your life where mm-hmm. you were facing jail time. Yeah, and how you realized, yeah, I'm in the wrong. I own up um, and, you know, I deserve this punishment. And you basically accepted whatever was going to happen. And I just really felt the the gospel message coming mm-hmm. through in that story that you told, mm-hmm. in that you were caught out and you know you've done wrong. But it, the fact that you accepted that, mm-hmm. realized that you'd messed up and what were open to that meant that you got grace Mm. That you got given grace that you didn't you didn't really get the punishment that you deserved right and that is the gospel yeah that we've all messed up that we've all done things wrong whoever we are 
And if we stand before God, like if you stood before a police officer and, and like everyone else had done, said, I've done nothing wrong, thinking of ways to get out of it, um, or I'm a good person and this and that, then you probably would have got the punishment that you deserved. But the fact that you owned up, the fact that you showed I want to change, I know I've done wrong, meant that you got given grace. Mm. You gave given what you don't deserve in that you were set free. And that is the gospel for all of us, that if we actually acknowledge that we've messed up, that we've sinned, that we've done wrong, that we haven't lived the way God has told us that we, and we just say, you know what, God, I'm sorry, I've messed up, but I want to turn from that, I want to follow you, then we get given grace. Mm. We get given eternal life. We get given what we don't deserve in the best way possible. Um, and that just really jumped out at me as you shared in that story that even then, God on a on a micro scale was was just showing you what he'd already done in your life when you were seven mm. years old. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast and you've never accepted Jesus into your life, that's what he's offering you. If we would only just accept that, okay, we have messed up, but there's always hope in Christ. Um, wherever you are, wherever you've been, just call out to him and, and he can save us and he can give us that eternal life that he's promised. And that is the most exciting thing. And who knows what God's going to do with your life after that? The most important thing is that we come to that place where we we just come to ask his forgiveness because we all need it. Um, so, you know, if you want to know more about that, please get in touch. Please chat to us, send me a message um, because, you know, we have a lot of fun and we talk about, mm. we hear from different people and it's really interesting. But the most important thing that we want to get across through this ministry is is salvation through Jesus Christ. Um, that's the most important thing that any of us could ever attain in this world so if that is something that you're thinking about or you're interested in please get in touch and let's talk about it um that's the most important thing but just want to say a massive thank you kevin it's been yeah. so interesting um there was a few other things that you know i wanted to do but if we get you back on we can do it then yeah it's been loads of fun yeah uh, great you know I, I love being able to share how god has changed my life but also love being able to uh promote the gospel and work with uh you know other guys who are, are interested in doing that so it's been it's been great. You guys made it fun. So thank good, you. Good. Appreciate yeah. it. So it's good that you've been able to see behind the curtain a little bit yeah. as you've been listening. Um, and now you're part of it. So I'm sure we'll get you back on at some point. I know but... I know what the uh, the studio that is really hot in the summer looks like now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's still a little bit warm at the minute. But, you yeah. know, when we go to the winter months now, it'll be fine. It is right at the top of the house. It really is. It and you really have is. a huge window behind you. Yeah, well, it isn't great. Behind it isn't great. But, you know, we can move around the house. We can go somewhere else to record. It doesn't bother me. But really appreciate you coming on, Kev. You're yeah. welcome back. I'm sure we'll get you back. So I just want to say, you know, really bless the work that you're doing. Um, hope that continues to do well. What What's your sort of when you look ahead in the next couple of years? Um, what What do you What do you want to achieve then, or what What are you What are your What is your vision at the minute? I've been doing a master's degree in uh, religion and ethics, so I've really been exploring um, in ethics about the sort of the digital environment and how young people. Uh, so for me, I, I talked about shaping my identity or knowing who I was was a I was a big part of my. You know, sort of upbringing that I really struggled with, and now you have uh, social media um, platforms where young people can create identities, and they can actually sh um, like develop identity virtually. So they have these avatars where they're you know exploring who they really are. So um, some of the things I've been looking at are how does that affect our sense of character development? What does it mean for us to be, uh, particularly virtue virtue ethics? What does it mean for us to be virtuous? people and Christians have long pointed back to Jesus as being the ultimate sort of virtuous 
person who lived a life that we all should model our, our lives after. But in an abstract digital world of, of avatars where someone's Instagram or their story is not an authentic picture of their life, it's snapshots or highlights. Um, even though people try to be real and they post like these, you know, body affirming or, uh, you know, um, sides of themselves that try to paint an authentic picture is still only snapshots. So how much of your life and your character, your personal character, um, is being developed online or in a social media aspect and how does that affect your, your real life and what does that do with our relationships with one another? So, um, I'd really love to be able to work with, um, you know, more youth leaders and young people on, you know, thinking ethically about how they handle their digital selves. So that, that's, that's been a really big, that's awesome. That's quite exciting because I think it is such a big thing in this day and age, social media, how it's affecting our young people and actually as Christians, how it's affecting how we portray ourselves. So, oh, that'll be interesting. There's so. lot, there's lots of, um, there's lots of people who've written about it. Um, and many people have written about it in a pessimistic way. So yeah. they see that, you know, that social media is rewiring our brains yeah. and it's, it's, it's causing the, the downfall of humanity. But, um, I, I tend to look at it more optimistically because I see it as an opportunity, opportunity yeah. to, um, you know, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a environment where the gospel can go. Definitely. It's a new world where the gospel can go. So who are the virtuous influencers on social media that mm. are promoting a gospel message and how can we, um, as a Christian, Christians do, um, better with that. And I am a naturally introverted person and I, I don't like posting a lot of stuff personally. Um, and maybe I need to do a better job about, you know, sharing things on social media uh, or whatnot. But, um, yeah, we need people that are in that digital environment that are promoting the faith that are, um, embodying, you know, these, these virtues that, uh, you know, we as Christians have long fought for and have pointed at Jesus as saying embodied fully. Yeah. Uh, so if we are to live out our lives here on earth in a certain way, what's the best way we can do it that, you know, benefits humanity, but also gets the gospel message out. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, yeah, you get some, uh, get the right people around you to, to take that forward. And that'd be interesting to see how you can impact young people and maybe, just make us all think a little bit more about how we're mm. using the technology that we've been given. Because like you said, actually, it can be an amazing thing mm. if we use it correctly. Um, speaking of which, if people want to get in touch with you, Kev, I don't know, maybe someone's listening to this and they like to chat to you a bit more about something you said. How can we find you online or, or wherever else? What, how is the best way to get in touch? Uh, there's a couple ways. You can just send me an email, kevin at globalyouthministry.org. That's pretty simple. You can also check out our uh, website, which is uh, willheight.org. Uh, and it just sort of showcases the ministry that we have here in Wales, um, includes people like yourself on there as partners. Uh, so, um, you know, I'd be happy to plug the noise podcast. Yeah, and, do and, it. And do it. Plug this episode. Well. We get a lot of listens. Yeah. yeah. Send it over to America. Yeah. We do get some American listeners. We've mm-hmm. had you know, 150 listens in America, which is great. So hopefully we'll get a few more after this episode with Kevin. On. I, will, I will be sure to... So far, we, um, Matt Bayless is is in the lead on okay. the highest number of listens for an episode. But I reckon you you advertise this, you okay. could get up there. You could uh, how probably do I, how, knock him off top spot. Right? How do you um how do you enter into this competition? You just just plug your okay. your episode. 
plug your episodes. So tell all your mates in America, let okay. go listen to this podcast. Okay. Don't listen to episode number three, tell them. No, I'm joking. Tell them to listen to them all, <laughs> but especially your episode. I would be the ironic one, <laughs> our most listened one is the Matt Bayless one. Yeah. So um, that's the best way to do it. Uh, but like I said, if you are listening, being a listener, share it. Uh, it was great to, to share this podcast and to see what happening. And to, we get to chat to loads of different interesting people. Um, we always try and talk about the, the faith is at the center of our conversation. Mm. But at the same time, we do try and talk about all sorts of things. So um, if you are enjoying it, please share it and it'd be great to get some more people listening in. Right. So um, I've got the, the dice to finish the podcast because Kevin's already shared a joke. But you're gonna have to think of another one now in case it lands on you. Okay. So, um, Matt, what? I, I'll let the guests. Yeah, so, do you want first. one and two, three and four, or five and six? Uh, I'll have five and six. Five and six, Matt. One, two. One and two. So I'm in the middle. Yeah. Three and four. Okay. So the joke to end the podcast this week is being told by Kevin. You got a doubler. Right. A second joke in the podcast. Yes. Wow. Okay. So um, I got bad news. I was actually uh, recently fired from a job as a, as a bank teller. Uh, this older lady came in, asked me to check her balance. So I pushed her over. <laughs> oh. um, if it's any old people listening, hope you're not offended by that. I have heard that before. I did make me laugh. No, okay. like. Although I don't think a lot of old people listening to podcasts, no. they do tend to not know what they are. No. Including Doug, to be fair to him, when he came on. First thing, he, first thing he said when he sat down next to you, I went downstairs, he went, so what is, is a podcast? podcast? <laughs> <laughs> there we are. Um, if you're an old person, thanks for listening. And just make sure if you walk into a bank, if you see Kevin, just step away in the other direction, just in case. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening, guys. I appreciate it, Kev, once again. Yeah, you thank you very on, much. And hopefully we'll Pleasure. have you back. Um, yeah. All the best with whatever you're doing. Thank you. Make sure you keep in touch. Let's Absolutely. do another concert or something yeah. at some point. That'd be great. So um, thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you next month for episode 10, which yeah. is exciting. Ooh. And hopefully we'll have another uh, exciting guest lined up. So we'll see you then. Until next time. Bye for now. Bye.